Hebrews 10, verse 11 says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no, there is no longer any offering for sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us in, in all facets and areas of life. And uh, we ask that you would grace us here today with, uh, with your word, that you would... Uh, that you would press it down deep into our hearts, that you would do surgery on our hearts with it, that we may walk out of here changed forever because of what you had to say to us. Will you please do that now, Father? And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, So I'm recently a new homeowner. Uh, Back in October, Leah and I bought our first house, and uh, one of the things that I was really excited about was having a lawn. Um, but I didn't realize what I was getting into with weeds. They are, yeah, so this is our, our backyard. Um, it's a small forest of weeds. Um, it, it's about a 20 foot by 30 foot backyard. It's not very big and it takes about an hour and a half to mow that thing. Cause you have to go a little bit, I have a push mower, but you go a little bit and it just goes mm, mm. So you gotta pull it back and lift it up so that all the extra weeds get out. You go a little bit more, mm, mm, so it, before it blows up. Um, but the other day, like I just thought it was just a luscious backyard. I was like, man, all this greenery, this is fantastic. Um, but the other day, I, I get it all cut, and I, I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, is there a single blade of grass in this backyard? This is, it's all weeds. Um, and then, I, I kid you not, I was even mowing around and weed-eating around a, um, a small tree um, that was a weed. I thought it was a small tree, so I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna save this tree. It'll grow up and be, it was just a weed. Uh, I had to get a shovel out. Um, so a few days after that, I was like, all right, I've got a spare four and a half hours. I'm going um, to go out there and de-weed the backyard. So I grabbed my gloves. I grabbed my de-weeder tool, the thing with the two prongs. I don't know what that's called. De-weeder tool. That works. Um, so I worked for the entire four and a half hours. Um, and I, I, I pulled up enough weeds to fill up the, you know, the rolling trash can that you take out to the street. It filled that thing up. I pulled up that many weeds. And I had done an area about four foot long <laughs> by four foot wide, just this small corner right here. Um, in those four and a half hours, I, I was so defeated. I mean, tears were in my eyes. Um, our, our driveway is kind of um, to the side of that. I just laid on the driveway in the rocks and I was just laying there. And I don't know, I guess this guy saw me because he, he was walking on the street and he looks in and he says, hey, are you okay? Um, and I, I had one of the weeds in my hand still, um, and it was about, about the size of my torso. So I'm laying there, and I, I just had a, like, I just showed him the weed. That's all I did. And it was one of the coolest things. It, it was so beautiful. Um, he, he looks at me and he goes, that's all he did. And then he just walked off, and that was, that was fantastic for me. Um, 
I had never seen him before. I, I haven't seen him since. I, I, he's, I'm pretty sure he's just an angel. Uh, but but I, uh, I went back out a few days later, and there were already weeds growing in that spot where I had worked so hard. Uh, but it seems like nothing I can do kills that entire yard of its weeds. Uh, nothing I can do can make that yard perfect. This is true of you and I in the mess that we call our lives. I do not have to try and convince anyone here of their lives being messy, we all know it, yet we still try and make it better. We still try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We say we don't need any help, we're good on our own, we got this. But life still has its shambles. If it doesn't currently, just stick around. There's nothing that you and I can do to make ourselves perfect. There will always be too many sins for us to deroot. There will be always part, there will always be parts of us that overwhelm and overpower us. They will always be there. We will always have weeds to pull. We'll always have something go wrong with our hair. We'll always have something go wrong in our marriage. We'll always have to tell our kid the same thing over and over and over again. We will always have something at work that goes haywire. We will always have something go wrong in our friendships. We cannot make our yard perfect. We cannot make our life perfect. Something will always go wrong despite how hard we try. There will always be another problem, another weed, another relational mishap, another sin, another issue in our lives. It's like the world's longest and worst game of whack-a-mole. And in that game of whack-a-mole, there's nothing that we can do to stop it all from happening. No amount of pulling weeds, mowing, hairspray, counseling, flowers, productivity seminars, going to church, reading our Bibles, tithing, there's no activity that we can do in order to make ourselves perfect. But we all long for it. We all want it in all areas of our lives, but it never actually gets here. We want to be perfect. And here's the thing. We can be. This game of whack-a-mole removes all of our hope and leaves us lying on the rocks in our driveway in a puddle of tears. But we can be perfect. And that's what our passage today is going to show us. We must believe two truths. That our offerings cannot make us perfect. And that Jesus' one offering has made us perfect for all time. We must believe that there is nothing that we can do to cleanse ourselves of our sin and make ourselves perfect. And we must believe that Jesus has once and for all, forever, made us perfect by his one offering. So we can be perfect. The first part of that is seeing and admitting our own imperfections. So uh, look at verse 11 again. He says, every priest stands daily at his service. So according to the old covenant, um, the one who had to make an offering for sin in this uh, verse, it's the priest. He had, he had to essentially go to work every single day to do what? Well, he was playing a whole lot of whack-a-mole for everybody. Um, he was, if you keep reading, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Well, why did he need to offer sacrifices? Uh, God either demands holiness or death. But man cannot be holy, man sins. So under the, old, under the old covenant, if man did not want to die, man gave a sacrifice for his sin. God does not trifle with sin. The penalty will always be death. So man would gather up bulls, 
goats, sheep, in order to kill them in place of himself. But just imagine how embarrassing that is. Like you, you walk out the door, you, you got your animal kind of hiding it. You're like, all right, I'm gonna go to the priest. And then you see this long line of people. You're like, whoa, there's, everybody's out here. And then you, know, you might see your friend like, hey, Joey, hey, how are you doing, man? And then he's got his animal. You're like, oh, you do? Okay, let's go. Um, but then could you imagine uh, marriage? Like you have an argument, you have a fight, and the, I presumably, in, in my case, it would be the wife that said, mm, go to the priest's office, like right now, you gotta go. Um, I mean, no wonder this man had to stand daily at his service. That poor dude never had a break. Endless game of whack-a-mole. Now the system worked to keep man from death, but God still remembered their sins. It was not perfect, because if you look at verse 17, he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. So he doesn't remember them in the new covenant, but in the old covenant, God still remembered them. They were still there. You can mow over the weeds, but the roots are still there. There was a lack of actual cleansing of sin by the death of goats and bulls because they were never a spotless offering. If you uh, just look up in chapter 10 to verse four, he says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Well, therein lies the fatal flaw of, the, um, of this system. Look at verse 11, uh, the, the finishing up of that verse. They can never take away sins. All these offerings. So this man stands daily offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. And the people embarrass themselves in front of their friends. They're, they're getting, getting into a fight and they have to go and, and offer up their, um, their animals for the sins. And it didn't even work. It could not take away the sins that they were sacrificing for. I mean, what's the point? Despite all their effort, there was an entrenched, deep-seated inability to remove the stain of sin. The same is true for you and me. No matter how much effort we put into making ourselves perfect, cleansing ourselves from the stain of sin, we cannot do it. Our offerings cannot make us perfect. What we have done wrong remains. Uh, one day, Leah and I were, it was back when we first got married, um, so I was a little more immature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys could have heard that chuckle. Um, so one day, uh, my cousins had invited me over to play basketball, and I was like, uh, I did the smart thing, though. I did, up front. Um, I called Leah and I said, uh, I said, hey, uh, my cousins want, want me to come over and play some basketball. It'll be good exercise. Like I, sh I should go and do this, um, trying to, you know, be manipulative. Um, but she, she was really sweet. She said, yeah, yeah, you can go. That'll, that'll be great. Um, just, just make sure that you're home by 730 so that we can still eat dinner together and, and go to sleep at a decent hour where grandparents go to sleep by nine. Um, and I was like, I was like, oh, you, you got it, babe. It was going to be great. But it wasn't. Um, you see, spring forward had happened, I think, a few days before. Um, and I don't think my, uh, my Fitbit had synced yet at the time. Um, and there aren't any clocks outside on the trees or anything. We're playing basketball outside. Um, but my, my biggest problem is that uh, I have such good stamina. Like, I could have just played for days and not known what time it was. It's not, like, it's not like I got tired after an hour of playing. Like, oh, I bet it's been an hour. I'm really tired. Um, but I didn't notice the time. So I look down at my phone after a game and uh, I see that I have a few missed calls from Leah. Um, 
and a few missed text messages. And then I see the time. It was 8.47. It's hard for me to even say this. <laughs> I hadn't even left yet. It was 8.47. So um, I jump in the car and I'm headed home and, and I, was, I was so afraid to call Leah. Um, I, I hit dial and I put it on speakerphone so that I could have some distance between us. Because um, I just thought, I was like, this is not going to be good. Um, but very, I don't remember the exact wording of it all, but um, she said something like, Jake, where are you? You haven't answered any of my calls, any of my text messages. Uh, you said you were going to be here at 7.30. Dinner's freezing. I've been so worried about you. <sighs> Can you imagine? I mean, she's probably just sitting at the dinner table. There's candle lights that are all like at the bottom, and <laughs> the food is just cold. And I was like, ah, oh, this is terrible. Um, so I, I won husband of the year with that. Uh, but I, I had seen at this point enough romantic comedies to know that if I got her some flowers on the way home, then it would make the woman just forget about what I had done wrong. Um, it might make her fall even more in love with me than she already was. Um, but there's no flower shops open at 8.47, 9 o'clock, so uh, I stopped at Krispy Kreme. Um, <laughs> And I got her a, I got a, a dozen beautiful donuts. Um, we, we weren't so careful about gluten at the start of our marriage. Um, but to my surprise, and I'm sure to yours as well, it didn't work. <laughs> she still wanted to talk about what happened. I was like, it didn't do the men in black thing and just erase your memory of what had happened. But what is true of my relationship with Leah is also true of our relationship with God. Our offerings for what we have done wrong do not erase what we did wrong. My sin did not go anywhere because of my offering. Leah still remembered it because it was still there. Where could it go? Our offerings cannot make us perfect. Our offering of flowers or donuts to our wives will not erase what we have done. Our offering of doing a good deed to make up for a bad one will only mask the deeper issue. Our offering of reading our Bible because we feel uh, bad for not having read in a month, it might make us feel better for a second, but it won't remove the sin um, from us. Our offering of candy and sweets and toys to make up for yelling at our kids will not make it better. Our offering of overworking because we feel some deep need to feel validated by our job well done will not ever come to fruition. Sin is kicking our behind. The enemy will not let up. Our flesh is continually weak. We pray and read our Bible and tithe, but nothing we do makes it go away. So what are we supposed to do? Well, first off, we see in verse 18 that we can stop offering. Because if you read 18, it says, where, where there is forgiveness of these, and what he's talking about is in verse 17, the lawless deeds and the sins. Where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. So we can stop offering up our sacrifices. They don't fix anything. We can stop trying to make our mess look pretty. But most importantly, we must believe that we are utterly hopeless. Part of believing good news is knowing what the bad news is, and the bad news is exactly this. We can do nothing to cleanse ourselves of our sin. We cannot make ourselves perfect. So what are you offering? What is it that you're trying to do to make yourself look better, to make yourself look okay, 
to mask the outside, mowing over the weeds. What are you doing? What are you offering? So our offerings cannot make us perfect, but we can be perfect. How? Somebody has to make the right offering for us. And that's point two. Jesus' offering has made us perfect. If you look at uh, verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. So what he's talking about here, what, is, uh, what it took to cleanse uh, once and for all, the stain of sin was a stainless, sinless, spotless, without any blemish sacrifice. That's exactly what you and I have been given in Jesus Christ. First Peter describes Jesus as the lamb without blemish or spot. So that means if Jesus was sacrificed, then it would actually work. The sacrifice could take away the sins perfectly because the sacrifice is perfect. God demands holiness or death. And by Jesus' single offering, he took the death that we deserved. And we took on the perfection that he had. So Christ offered himself as the spotless sacrifice for the cleansing of sins for good forever. Is that our offerings? Nope. Our hard work? Nope. All the things we try? Nope. Thank God. Jesus' life of perfection, death on a cross, burial in a tomb, and resurrection from the dead, that's what makes us perfect. And then notice, just he keeps going. Uh, so after this, he sat down at the right hand of God. So it's a complete contrast to the, the priest. Every priest had to stand daily at his service, offering over and over again the sacrifices. It was futile. That dude was constantly working the endless game of whack-a-mole. But Christ's one sacrifice was so effective that he needs only to sit down and kick his feet up. Christ is not scrambling to cover our mess. He's not surprised by it if we are covered by the sacrificial blood of Jesus, we are for all time cleansed. We are for all time perfect. The work of salvation is done and you and I didn't lift a finger. Well, how do we know? If you look at verse 14, he says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the word here for, uh, for perfected in the Greek actually means uh, purged. Um, but the only reason I bring this up is because it's, it's really funny, the tense of the verb. It's in perfect tense. So it means that it's not just perfection, it's permanent perfection. It never ends. By Jesus' sacrificial offering, the sins of a person are completely wiped out. His perfection has now become the perfection of the person. The one who has done all things perfectly and perfectly in God's will has substituted his perfection for the sinfulness of the person. Well, who's this person? It says those who are being sanctified. Well, what does that mean? Sanctified means being made perfect. What? So Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being perfected? Jake, that kind of doesn't make sense. Um, exactly. It is, it is paradoxical, and it should be, 
um, the sacrifice, this offering, um, it's so mind-blowingly confusing and at the same time beautiful. It should not make common sense because it really doesn't. Why would a God like this have anything to do with a people like us? That's the question. It is undeserved and so it'll feel unfair, at times confusing, like we shouldn't have it. But oh, how mysteriously wonderful is the grace of God that by his son we know life, undeservedly so. So because of the Father, when he looks down at those who are covered by Jesus' offering, he sees Jesus' perfection. From the moment we believe we are declared perfect in Jesus, but until we are in his presence in heaven, we will still experience our imperfection. All right, so let me, let me try to make this make a little more sense because it's clear as mud. Um, so on August 14th, 1945 in Tokyo Harbor, the Empire of Japan surrendered unconditionally, effectively ending World War II. However, some Japanese soldiers simply refused to lay down their arms. American and allied troops throughout the Pacific continued to clash with these holdouts for months and even years after the war. A group of nearly 50 Japanese inf infantrymen waged a guerrilla war against the American occupiers on Saipan until finally surrendering to Marines in December of 1945, nearly five months after the war was over. More than 30 hid in the jungles of Peleliu until March of 1947, one year and six months after the end of the war, before they turned themselves over. Two Japanese troops stayed at their battle stations on Iwo Jima until January of 1949. Nearly 20 remained at large on an island in the Marianas until June of 1951. The war ended in 1945. The most amazing, though, probably, um, is that of Lieutenant Hiru Onada. He uh, surrendered on Lubang in the Philippines, not after a Japanese backpacker stumbled across his base camp in 1974. The war has been declared over, but it does not mean the fighting is done. We're still getting shot at. Jesus has declared us perfect. The war is over, but we're still being made perfect. We are still experiencing the warfare, being sanctified. Do we fight our sin? Do we hate it? We're being sanctified. Our fight against sin is proof that we are being made perfect and nothing helps us to fight more than knowing that the fight for our lives has already been won. We are already perfect. We have to fight to believe that because of Jesus' sacrifice to make us perfect, God sees us not as we are right now, but as we will be one day. Because there will be times where you and I don't feel it at all. We know Man, I, I get what you're saying, Jake, but I don't feel perfect. It's still there. Do you believe that you have been made perfect for all time? Do you believe that when the God of the universe looks down at you, he sees you as perfect already? Even when you don't feel it. So what does this look like? Well, I think uh, someone asked Paul this question because in Philippians 3, verse 12, he says, 
Not that I have already obtained this, what is this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Notice the order. Christ Jesus has made me his own, so that is why I press on. I do not press on because I'll go to heaven if I press hard enough. I press on in my sanctification process, the hard process, the warfare fight process, because Jesus has already done the work to make me perfect. I'm finishing out the work, but with a defeated foe. We know the end result that Jesus' offering has made us perfect for all time, and that gives us hope for the fight to be sanctified today. Otherwise, we lie on the rocks in our driveway in a puddle of tears because we can't do it. But think of the, just think of the implications of this one sacrifice. Because of what I have in Jesus, nothing gives me more hope and strength for the fight today than knowing that in heaven, either we will not have weeds um, or the pulling of weeds will be just so effective that they don't come back. Um, and that'll be perfect, either way. Uh, because of Jesus, there will be no reason to erase our wives' minds. Uh, we can stop buying flowers or donuts for messing up. It'll be perfect. Because of Jesus, when we have a bad hair day, we know that one day we will not worry about it or it'll just be perfect all the time. Either one of those is great. Because of Jesus, there will be no trying to mask our amazingly evil thoughts and deeds. We will, by God's grace, never have a thought of impurity again. Perfect. Because of Jesus, when we are in heaven, we won't have to tell our kid a thousand times. We won't even have to tell them once. Perfect. Because of Jesus, there will be no work email for the rest of eternity. Praise God. Perfect. Because of Jesus, there will be no misunderstanding between spouses or friends about what they said or what they meant or a joke. There will be perfect relational unity. Because of Jesus, there will be no sin. We will be perfect in the presence of Jesus, our perfect sacrifice. And that end result keeps us going today. The reality that the war is won gives us strength and courage and faith and perseverance to fight the battle against our imperfections today and every day going forward. Because of Jesus, we are declared permanently perfect and that end result keeps us going. And the best part of it all, the absolute best part, was God's work in Jesus' in, uh, sacrifice to make us perfect. And even the sanctification, even us being made perfect, is God's work. We can do nothing to make ourselves perfect once and for all. We can do nothing to make ourselves perfect every day. It's all up to God. Jesus' one single offering does all of this for us. Now, some of us are in uh, various stages of dealing with this. Some of us are denying point one, that we cannot make ourselves perfect, and so we keep trying by our own power, by our, by our own strength to, to manipulate the system, to make it look like we're doing pretty good. Some of us know we are sinning against, law, against God's law, but have secretly rebelled and are living lives of, of hypocrisy and deception, but some by the grace and mercy of God, 
are regularly and effectively using the grace that is present in the good news of the gospel to lead changed lives for the glory of God. We're all on a journey in either a good or a bad direction. Where are you? Every one of us longs for perfection. And in Jesus, we can have it. Do you believe the gospel? You've nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain by trusting in all to Christ, trusting the finished work of Christ for the past, present, and future for you, for me. So as we turn uh, to the Lord's Supper, we're gonna take communion together as a family if If this gospel news is yours, if Jesus' sacrifice covers you, then you're welcome. If, though, you're on your journey and you're rebelling against God and you don't know this sacrifice as your own, I just ask that you remain in your seat because you would be proclaiming that which you are not a part. Sacrifice is not for you if you do not believe, but as we sit with the elements, this is our prayer. Father, will you cover my sinfulness by your sacrifice and give me the perfection of Jesus? Will you continue to press the good news of the gospel deeper into my heart? Will you, by your grace, continue to make me perfect? So grab the elements, bring them back to your seat, and we'll take them together here in a second. we know that one day we will be perfect because by this shed blood and this broken body we already are Jesus has made us perfect and is bringing us to perfection all in one single sacrifice on the cross because on the night when he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body my sacrifice, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have, by your grace, made us perfect for all time. You have seen fit to look at us, a sinful creation, and yet you have mercy on us. Would you continue your work in us to make us perfect and and remind us of the the declaration that we are, by by the sacrifice of your son, perfect. Would you give us the strength and the courage and the faith and the perseverance to fight on today and every day? We thank you that we fight from victory and not for it. You've already given it to us. Please continue to show your grace to us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.